turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 4. As you're turning there, a couple of thoughts I just needed to, did need to update you on. Uh, I was supposed to remind you, inside your bulletin is the, um, is the uh, Grow Commitment Card uh, for this year. If you've not had an opportunity to make those commitments, uh, if you would hand one to an usher or drop it off at the information table on your way out, we have uh, just about 600 adults who have made a commitment uh, to see the vision go forward this year. And it's a, it's a very exciting time for us. Last Sunday morning, now our Master's Commission is out in Dallas this week on convention, but last Sunday morning, we had the highest regular attendance, not regular, we had the highest of any kind of attendance in our worship services, first and second, that we've had since Easter of last year. So it's a very exciting time. Uh, you can really sense... Uh, what God is doing and the momentum rising toward the anticipation rising toward what the Lord's going to do this year. Matthew chapter four, verse four. Uh, turn there and uh, just hold your hold your place. We in this series called Simplify, and uh, I kind of laid the groundwork last week. We talked about uh, simplify to to uh, magnify, and and we're living in an ever. An increasingly complicated world. I'm sure you've noticed. I don't have to give you the newsflash on that. The postmodern world is growing in intensity and speed. And life for most people is growing more complicated. One of the places that we see the greatest evidence of that is in the area of information. We are inundated with a plethora of information... On a daily basis, there's high dollar marketing schemes, text messages, 24 hour a day news cycles, media, Internet, not to mention the simple little things that arrive in your mailbox. You can probably tell by now my pet peeve in life is mail in your mailbox every week. Dozens and dozens and in a year, thousands. Did you know that in the average year? In the average year, every American receives a mass amount of junk mail that is the equivalent of one-third of the total mail on earth. Americans. Did you know that as an average American, you and I will spend eight months of our life reading junk mail? How many of you can say, what a waste. Eight months of our life reading junk mail. Henry David Throw, you've heard of Henry David Throw? Henry David Throw died in 1862 and since that time has received 90 pieces of junk mail. <laughs> like, what's the point? Daily, we experience information and decision overload. As the world is getting smaller and smaller through technology, things are getting more complicated. And let me say it like this. Things are getting more noisy. It's a lot of, there's a lot of clanging and rattling going on out there. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, and you might want to Google this sometime. I just did a little research. How much information's on the internet? <laughs> That's just a funny question to me. How much information... Oh, you can Google it today. It'll be different than it was four days ago when I looked. 
How much information is on the internet? Try 1.2 zettabytes. You, you all familiar with the zettabyte? Never heard of it. I think it's somewhere hovering around the national debt, though. 1.2 zettabytes. Let, let, me, let me try to describe for you, let me try to describe for you what, what that would look like. You, you, you take a basic uh, iPad. And, you know, these things are, I don't know what all, the, you can watch movies and I think they can beam you somewhere. There's all kind of functions on this. But you take the average iPad and fill it as full as you can with information till smoke's coming off the top. Jam it. And then if you were to lay it down on the ground and then lay another one in front of it and another one in front of it for 336 miles... Of iPads. And then if you were to stack them on top. Until it reached the sky. You would have the equivalent of how much information is on the internet. Incredible amounts of information on the internet. In 2009. Digital information grew by 62%. It's like a virus that's spreading. We presently don't even have the capacity to store 35% of the information that was created in 2009. I don't know, I don't know where it went. It just it fell off. I don't know what it... That's probably what that right sock that you can't find that matches the other one. It's gone. Somewhere in the dryer lint container. I just wonder when we hit overload. <laughs> When, when do we just start to shut down? When does the system lock? At what point will information begin to master us? I, I suspect we're not as far away as we think. I mean, I was thinking about my own life. I have passwords for the internet. I have passwords for TV. I have password for my computer. I have password for my phone. I have password for my bank account. I have password for my bill account. I have a password for the other accounts that I'm on the internet. I got passwords for passwords. So what is your password for your password? Make it stop. I feel like I'm staring into an oncoming train. Last week we talked about simplify to magnify. Magnify means to make things bigger and it has to do with seeing. Today I want to talk about, if you're taking notes in your bulletin, simplify to amplify. It has to do with hearing. It has to do with making things louder. Being able to hear better. See, I want to propose something to you, and I just know that this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous and crazy to some of you. I believe that God speaks all the time. I believe that He's always speaking, and I believe through the Scripture, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll come to the Scripture with the question, does God speak to people? And then you'll read it from Genesis to Revelation. I believe that you'll come to a conclusion that God has chosen to reveal himself as a God who who wants to speak and wants to be heard. And who has made us, has formed our spirit in a way that we... Remember all the way to Genesis, Adam and Eve in the garden, they walk with him in the cool of the day. God has, God has created you and I and he's made us as, as hearers. We were designed to hear. We were built to hear. 
And it's only through brokenness and dysfunction and, and sin and, and the systems of this world that that hearing gets uh, mashed, that hearing gets quieted, that hearing, that hearing gets drowned out. Revelation says, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. I don't know how many ways to read that. John chapter 10, if you read that account, there is a relationship that Jesus describes there between a shepherd and sheep. My, these are the sheep of my pasture. They know my voice. They will not follow another. And there are these other sheep that aren't in the pasture yet that Jesus says are coming to the pasture. They're coming into the pen. And when they come to the pen, they're going to know his voice too. That would be like the Gentiles. That's us. Say that's us. That's us. I am one. So, Jesus has revealed himself in Scripture as this God who wants a, a, a relationship of dialogue. He wants to hear. It's funny, we have less trouble. This is this just shows you how far we are. We have less trouble believing that God wants to hear from us than, than we do that he wants to talk to us. Now, just think about that. If you think of God for who he is, wouldn't it be easier to believe that he actually wants to do all the talking? But somehow we've confounded it in a way that we believe that he actually enjoys it better when we do all the talking. That's odd, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it reasonably, that's odd. God actually wants to, well, he wants to speak. John chapter 4 verse 4, uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. Um, Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And he says, look at these stones. If you're hungry, turn these stones to bread and then eat them and you'll be full. And Jesus' response is so um, telling. He said, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What's interesting is Jesus did not say past tense every word that came from God's mouth. But present, every word that comes from God's mouth. Some translation says proceeds. The words that continually... Now, you and I have to use the scripture to understand what's God's voice and what's not. I mean, you can't violate what he's written down. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to continue to speak in an ongoing relationship. Jesus answers that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God continues to come. What if I told you that God wants to speak to you every day? Now, now I know, I know that uh, th there's two issues. One is our culture, by speed and intensity and overload, is drowning out God's voice in most of our lives. The other issue is, you and I have been somewhere, we've all known somebody, who said, God told me, and God didn't tell them. God didn't tell them. And, and we've all encountered someone who is, you know, immature or, or manipulative. And, and you, know, you know, for too long, the way to win a church fight is just throw the rook out on the table. Well, God told me that the color of the wall ought to be green. Uh, now, trump that. God told me. And we've encountered immature people 
or, or, or manipulative people who have used God's voice uh, because they're too, too shallow or selfish to have an equal discussion. So what they've said is, I, 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 what I'll, and I do want you to understand that's witchcraft. When you draw out of the supernatural to shortcut the natural process and have your own way, that's witchcraft. It's just You might not have any witch doctor feathers or a doll that you put pins through, but I'm going to tell you, it's witchcraft. But look, there's no reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's no reason to make God somebody he's not because somebody that you met's not God. Let's let God speak for himself. Let's let's hear his heart on the issue. So how do we hear God's voice? I'm going to give you four ways you're taking notes this morning. How do you hear God's voice? If he wants to speak to you every day, how do you hear God's voice? Simplify to amplify. there's There's some things that you have to narrow down in on and focus on in order to, to, for his voice to become louder in your life. Here's the first one, if you're taking notes. Stillness. You have to create stillness in your life. First Kings 19, many of you will know this story. Elijah the prophet is hiding in a cave and God sends, you know, whatever, a hurricane and lightning and thunder and all this, these uh, phenomenal acts of nature by and then they go away. And then the Bible says, but God was not in the lightning or the thunder or the, or the natural acts of power. The Bible says that God was in the still small voice. Now, I think we haven't thought through what the full implications of that might be. That, that God, when he, had a, when he had a choice, he always has a choice. When he picked, he didn't choose the hurricane or the tsunami or the storm or the lightning or the thunder or any of the other things that naturally clap and get our attention. What he chose was the still small voice. What he chose was to speak in the quiet. Now, there's an overload of noise and we're in danger of rushing ahead in our own life by the pace we live at and not hearing God. God speaks in a still, small voice. How do we hear a still, small voice? Let me give you some clues. The voice is not going to speed up and increase its volume to match our lifestyle. The voice is not going to do that. To hear a still, small voice... We have to slow down and quiet down and we've got to line ourselves with that stillness. It, it is, it is a, an aligning issue. We're not going to hear God's voice until we separate from the busyness of our, and the pace of our life and have stillness. Hey, that's, by the way, one of the biggest reasons that we're having the one day retreat in April. It's because sometimes at the pace we run at, it's just nearly impossible to get that stillness. So you've got to cut out a block. And so that one day retreat's about that. It's about having a few hours of stillness. And so the voice is not going to speed up, though. You're not going to hear God's voice until you separate from the busyness to have stillness. But watch this. But once you create the stillness and begin to hear God's voice in the stillness, you'll get to the point that you can actually even hear God's voice in the busyness. But it will come from an overflow of the stillness. Without some level of stillness, you're never going to hear God's voice in the busyness. But if you can have the stillness 
and dial in and tune in, then you'll actually begin to hear him in, in the, in, even in the crowd, even in the busyness. Jesus was a master of balancing. He would draw away to lonely places and then he would minister and be among crowds until he thought he was going to pass out at times. And then he would pull away and refresh and restore. He was a master of that balance that is so, that in our day and age, now let's just face it, in our day and age is harder than in his day and age. It just is. And so it has to be done uh, more intentionally. Now, I, look, I just realized, you ever hear yourself say something and then you go, did I just say that? Man, that's, I just realized as I'm saying this to you, hearing God's voice, I, that may sound strange to you. What, what I'm not talking about is audibly. Very few people have heard God's voice audibly. And great. But to me, I don't see that it changes anything. If that's happened, great. It's never happened to me. I'm okay if it does or doesn't. I, I, don't, I don't have to have that to feel like I can be close to God. I feel like I can be close to God because His Son died. And His Bible, to, His Word tells me He did. And the, the door's open into the Holy Holies. So I'm okay. What I mean by hearing His voice is having a discernment over the general message or direction that God is speaking to you. Uh, an understanding, um, an insight, uh, uh, maybe an impression. And we'll, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So it, it, it may be different than, than I'm intending to say it to you. Psalms, I think it's Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Knowing comes from stillness. Knowing comes from stillness. We live in a time of constant movement. If you're going to have stillness, it's only because you've, you have decided to fight for it. Brokenness is constant movement and unrest. Think about the demoniac that Jesus encountered in the Scripture that used to run through the graves at night screaming. Constant brokenness is constant movement. Wholeness is stillness. Can you ever see Jesus acting that way? No, because wholeness is stillness and peace. Uh, I, I learned this a unique way several years ago in the, in the uh, late 90s. I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to Argentina. And it seemed so profound to me. I think two combinations really amplified God's voice in my spirit on that trip. One is the nation of Argentina has been channeling ahead in prayer for years. And have begun to see what we might consider a great awakening in our own history. The other thing is, I was in a culture where I didn't know the language, and I didn't know the culture, and I didn't know, and the five senses that I tend to depend on to take in information and tell me what to do and what not to do was gone. So I didn't even realize it, but by default, I, I tuned into the Holy Spirit more, because I had been shut off. The noise to me wasn't intelligible. It might have been there, but I was sort of in a bubble and alone in a way because I didn't understand what was going on around me. So that's, that's the first time I can consciously remember feeling that sense of stillness, even though I was in a crowd, because I was shut off and disconnected from what was around me. We were at a church one night, and uh, Pastor Alberto Ray was there, and uh, I just went over to the missionary, and I said, man, I didn't even understand what was going on. The missionary knew. I said, man, this church, I just began to tell him what... I was feeling about that church. And he said, and he discerned it as a gift of the Holy Spirit, and I didn't. And he said, why don't you go tell the pastor that? 
So we went and we were talking and I started telling him what I was feeling. And, and this pastor went, and it was all kind of like things that I had no way of knowing. And, you know, I'm out there going, I don't, I hope this is, you know, you can't tell because I didn't speak Spanish and I, I just see his face. And he went just as deadpan and flat and level. And I thought, he's going to kill me. I, I have, I have done something. And then he, you know, you know, and a bunch of guys come running in. He brought the whole deacon board into the room where I was. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they do stonings in Argentina. I don't, I'm not sure how this works. And I'm there, and I can't understand anything that's going on. I just told him, man, I, I really feel like this church is this, and God has done this, and, and you're here for this time, and this is about to happen. And somehow it was so clear. <laughs> I look at him, and he's telling the board. He's telling these guys. Then they stop and look at me. And then they go back, and then he just glanced over at me. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, I, I, I'm going to die. I'm probably going to die. I have no idea what I've done. Somehow or another, as it ended, that became a confirming word for that church uh, that, that fueled its history. I mean, it's a long story. But it was unbelievable. But that hearing came, even though I didn't know it was there, but the missionary saw it, because of stillness. Here's the second one. Meditate. Let me, before you freak out, let me just read Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Meditation's gotten a bad rap because some Eastern religions and cults and all of that. But let me basically tell you this. Meditation pretty much means turning the same thing in your mind over and over. We have a, a, an alternate version of it in America that we use often called worry. All worry is is meditation. It's just negative. We just turn the same thought over and over and over in our mind. And let me tell you the basic difference. The content of worry is negative. The content of meditation is life-giving. The energy of meditation, of uh, worry is often fear. Fear drives worry. The energy of meditation is spiritual hunger. The, the result of worry is dullness and discouragement. It wears you down and saps your strength, saps your life, saps your energy. But the, but the result of meditation, read Psalm chapter 1 verse 3, is insight, fruitfulness, wholeness, and groundedness. The issue is not getting more of the word... Getting more into the Word, the issue is getting more of the Word into us. And we do that by, by meditating. Several years ago, in my own Bible study, I'd come to a dead end. And I didn't know where else to go. And I heard somebody on radio or TV or something suggest this, and so I did it. One of the ways that I've done this in my life that just sunk the Word deeper into me, I found that there were uh, 18 books of the Bible that had four chapters or less. So what I would do is I took those 18 books and I'd take one at a time, did it for a year and a half, and I would read, I'd do my devotions 20, 20 to 25 times a month. I would read the same book every day for a month. 
I would start with the book. I'd read all the background notes. I'd read commentary on it if I could find it. And then I would just read every chapter of that book, one, one to four chapters. I'd read it. And it's so funny. I'd, I'd take a little notes and write questions and write ideas. But what I was doing, and I didn't even know I was doing it, is I was meditating on the Word. I was going over it and over it and over it. And I wasn't getting deeper into it. It was getting deeper into me. And it's so funny about the 15th day or the 18th day or the 13th day. And there were months that I would open a book and i go, okay. I, I mean, I, I got this. I mean, I read it. I read it four times. I got it. About the 13th time, I'd go, oh, like I'd found a little Easter egg in there. Say, how were you in there all along? Because that word was getting into my soul. It was getting into my spirit. Now, here's the third thing. Journal. One of the one of the one of the key ingredients into hearing God's voice or sensing his direction is journaling. In Habakkuk chapter two, God told Habakkuk, write down the vision so those who read it may run. I thought for a long time the purpose of journaling was to instill the discipline of reflection in your life. And I, and I do believe that. But I thought that was all that it was for. Let me give you another thing that I'm coming to understand. It helps you discern God's voice better. When you're journaling, let me say it this way. When you think that God may be impressing something on your heart, what you and I tend to do as, as Westerners, what you and I tend to do by our education mold, uh, we've been taught to think like journalists. That's the, that's the education mind that we've been given as Americans. What we tend to do is immediately switch from hearing to analyzing. You ever done this? Some impression comes and the first thing you think is, is that God or is that just me? Are you there? Anybody there? You've had a little nudge, you've had a little... Little something dropped in your mind, dropped in your heart, and the first thing you do is you go, "Man, I wonder, wonder what that one word comes in, one one thought, one person's face, one desire to pray for somebody or something." And you say, "I wonder, I wonder what that, I wonder if that's me, or I wonder." And you start to test it. When you immediately start to test it, you shut it off. But here's here's what's incredible about journaling: when you journal, you don't have to test it; just write. If, if you think something's happening, if you think the Lord's sharing something with you or stirring something in you or giving you plans or ideas or dreams or direction or anything, just start writing it down. You don't have to test it. You, you don't even have to worry about it. You can go back later and test it. But don't shut it off. Don't jump into analyze mode. Just start or on your computer. I do it on my computer. I just I type faster than I write. And I'm hoping one day I can type as fast as I can talk. But I just type. Just lay it out there. You can go back later that day. You can go back in a week. You can go back in a month. You can go back whenever you want. You got it. Sometimes time will test it for you. Write it down. Journal it out. And, and then you can test it. So that way, you don't have to worry about sh- uh, shutting off the things that are coming to you. Uh, man, yesterday, I, I, I was so... Uh, I think we don't understand the number of things that are in us. Uh, so much coming at me yesterday, just in responsibility and life, and uh, we've had a, a long week of sickness and all those things. I finally said, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going for a walk. 
I just went for a walk. Went and walked two miles. And as I'm walking, I'm just praying the whole time. And I prayed through, it felt like 14 issues. And I went, I didn't even know all that was on my brain. But as I, but as I slowed down, those things surface. Which is, by the way, is one of the reasons a lot of times we don't slow down. To hide from the things that we know will surface if we do. But that's not going to help. You can only bury for so long. Here's the last one. Um, I don't know how else to call this. So I'll say it like this. Spontaneous flow. Stillness. Meditating on God's word. Focusing on him. Believing that he's there with you when you read the word. Journaling. And spontaneous flow. Here's what I mean by that. Earlier in my relationship with God, I didn't know I thought this, but looking back, this is what I thought. I thought that what, what the deal with Christianity was, is for me to read the Bible, to understand it best as I could, to get all the teaching I could, all the study I could, understand it best I could, and then, as best as I could, fit my life inside the pattern that Scripture, scripture teaches me. To do, as best as I can, do everything that the Bible teaches me, be faithful and obedient, best as I can. I'm not saying to you that I don't no longer believe in faithfulness and obedience. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, it felt like to me I was to do that, and then occasionally, at those really critical times, when things got really bad, or really good, or really, there was some crisis event, or some turning point in history, at those critical moments, in the middle of that, somehow God would come and speak to me. And I would say, aha, wow. I'm, I, I mean, I'd be overwhelmed. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but I think that this is what God wants me to do. And that felt to me like icing on the cake. The cherry on top. It felt to me like the thing that God would do that would somehow make, it was an unusual moment in my relationship with God that, would, that, would, that made all the other times of dry faithfulness and just raw obedience worth it all. That, that moment would come and I'd say, it reminds me this is worth it all. I think we'll understand how to, to receive what God's saying better if we'll see it not as an event but as a relationship. It's not an event. God speaking to you is not an event. Think of God as a radio station that is broadcasting constantly. And the reason that we don't hear, and the reason that we often hear in those critical moments, is because we're straining. Because <laughs> we need something. But I want to propose to you, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be an event. It can be a time where when you have stillness, when you meditate on His Word, when you journal, you will tune in to that broadcast. When you quiet the other voices of your life, you will tune into that broadcast. David heard God. Elijah heard God. Moses heard God. Abraham heard God. Paul heard God. In John chapter 7, 37 through 39, Jesus said, From your belly will flow rivers of living water. And then he said, I, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. That's not here yet because I'm still here. What is that? The kingdom tends to flow. And let me tell you what God's voice generally 
sounds like. It sounds like a spontaneous thought, a random thought. It sometimes pops in your mind like a random picture or it's a feeling or it's an impression. When we tune in to that flow, we, we begin to sense, we begin to sense God. Now, here's the deal. Our thoughts are analytical and we reason out our life. And so our thoughts are connected. Why do God's thoughts seem spontaneous to us? Because that's the way they enter our life. Our thoughts are analytical and we tend to reason. And so our thoughts are connected to each other. One of my thoughts is connected to another one of my thoughts. And my conversations generally tend to move logically. I move from this subject and then the reason I got on that subject is because it had something to do with this one. My thoughts are connected to each other. But guess what? God's thoughts are connected to His thoughts. And so they feel spontaneous when they break in because His thoughts are not connected to our thoughts and our thoughts are not connected to His thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, the Bible says. So when they end, you ever been driving down the street and you just have this feeling that you need to pray for somebody? Totally random. Where did that come from? I wasn't thinking about them. I, 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 they weren't on my mind. I didn't think about it. Can I, can I just propose to you? One, one, of, one of God's thoughts slipped in. One of God's thoughts, somehow or another, you were open enough in that moment, you tuned in. Can I just say to you, in my view, the critical issue... For the 21st century. Is to, is to hear God. It's, it's critical. It's not an event. It's not a reward for living a faithful life. It, 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 it's a relationship. God has revealed himself. As a God who wants to have. A relationship with you. Who wants to. Relate. And that relationship comes through pictures and impressions, nudges, intuitions, leadings. Write them down. Write them down. Let them flow. Now, now here's the thing. Later on in the month, we're going to talk about other really practical parts of life. Simplify for time management. Simplify. We're going to talk about a lot of other things. But this, but that stuff doesn't matter if if the spirits, uh, if the kingdom is not flowing into your life by way of the Holy Spirit. Then those those things may make you slightly more effective somehow, but they don't make you kingdom effective. It's His voice that makes you and I kingdom effective. It's His voice that makes us effective for eternity. The other thing, uh, stand with me. The other thing I want to mention to you is I think sometimes we don't hear his voice because we tend to bring our agenda to prayer. And we want to hear him on what we want to hear him on, and we don't want to hear him on anything else. We say, Lord, this is, and there are times God is gracious, and he just, and there, look, everybody, all of us have those moments where God just simply meets us in our need because he loves us. But our entire relationship with Him can't be centered on Him just meeting us in our need. He will do that because He loves us. But it has to grow to the point that we come to Him and say, Now, Lord, don't talk to me about what I want to hear. Talk to me about what you want to say. And that openness 
allows His voice to become louder in your life. So, if you just close your eyes.